Hey everybody, it's Sam with West Virginia Overtime, and I'm sorry that I haven't talked to you in a while. Um, I feel like uh, we haven't touched base in quite a long time. I want to apologize for that, and I'm going to blame it on me coaching uh, basketball this year. But uh, really, it's just because there's been so much going on that I haven't really known what to kind of focus on and really talk about. But what I'm going to start off talking about tonight is um, using night n-i-t-e as a way to talk to your players or a way to talk to your kids um i learned this from coach steve collins he is a wisconsin basketball coach that i believe has won three uh state championships and is one of the more winning um active coaches in the state of Wisconsin. He hosts a, he actually hosts two uh, podcasts, High School Hoops and Basketball Coaches Unplugged. They're both excellent uh, podcasts that I would totally recommend for you. He also has a teachhoops.com website. I am not a member of it, so I can't vouch for it, but it does have some good reviews. I've actually looked at possibly, you know, getting involved in it. I know that he if you uh, get active on teachhoops.com, then uh, he will have like one-on-one calls with you, and then you have group calls on Sunday with ten other coach or nine other coaches. There, there's ten coaches in a group, and you talk about basketball and kind of give ideas and and I know that you can also being a member of teachhoops.com that you're supposed to be able to email your group and email coach Collins and they will send you plays or ideas or practice plans whatever you, you need I am not sure how much it is to join or anything like I said I'm not a member of it uh, but I'm sure you can get on the website and see but that's enough about Coach Collins. I'm going to talk a little bit about what Coach Collins um, taught me in his latest podcast, and then we're going to go into some other topics. He went into using night, like I said, it's N-I-T-E, with your players or your kids. And I can honestly say this is working well with me not only with coaching but your old niece and it works very well with her i think it works pretty well with people in general when you are wanting to guide someone or lead someone or even um, relay something that you want a person to do in a certain way I think if you use these principles, things tend to go a little better. So let's go over what the letters stand for. N, the N in night stands for name. So if you were talking to me, you would say, Sam, go do X, Y, and Z. So you want to use a person's 
name. Number one, that gets their attention. So even if you only have one kid or you only have um, one player, you're still going to say their name, Sam. Because not only does it get their attention, most kids are used to when you use their name that you're getting ready to direct something to them or that you're signifying that something is important. So using a person's name to get their attention always helps. The I in night stands for information. You want to convey the information in a positive manner, positive tone, or positive role, po positive tone. You do not want to do a negative. So I'm going to kind of keep it on, on basketball. So you do not want to say, Sam, don't forget to rebound. Because even though you're telling me a positive for the team for me to get the rebound what you are using and starting with is don't and that's a negative negatives in certain studies have shown that when you're dealing with kids they have a tendency to turn down not turn off they, they, they don't completely ignore you, but they do turn down. So instead of saying, Sam, don't forget to rebound, you would say something with a positive outlook, a positive uh, action that you are wanting me to take or giving me positive info first. So you're going to say, Sam, get that rebound. Sam, box out. Sam, we want you to fake and then drive. So you're, you're not starting off with a negative. Even though you may not be saying a negative statement, you don't want to use a negative word because, like I said, kids have a tendency to turn down. Even younger kids have learned that when you say don't or no or not or anything like that, they have a tendency to just kind of turn down. So we've got use their name, then give information using a positive outlook. The T in night is for tone. So you want to use a either neutral tune or a little upbeat. Okay, why I say a little upbeat is because a lot of parents or a lot of coaches get real excited. They get really pumped up or hyped up and they say something in an excited tone or a what they think is like a motivating tone and what that does is 
you may cause an adrenaline rush in that player and short circuit them. Uh, I was talking to a coach about that tonight, how, you know, certain players, if you get real excited, it's not that they get excited it's almost like they go a hundred times over what what you want them to be they get overstimulated they get that adrenaline rush and it's almost like their brain is like i can't take this and they short circuit on you so they may not really comprehend and process what you just told them so you want to say it in a neutral tone or slightly upbeat. You don't want to go negative, okay? So if your players or your kids are not used to you yelling, then don't yell because they may consider that to be yelling and to be negative. Um, I actually talked to one of my players today, and um, her dad has a tendency to yell a lot. He's not being negative. He, he, he yells just to convey anything, but she has a tendency to take it in a negative manner. Well, other people are yelling at her, and they may be yelling just because they're trying to be heard because it's a loud situation she has a tendency to see it as negative just because of the loud voice so i really talked to her today and said there's going to be certain situations where you're going to hear me yell i don't want you to take it as a negative i want you to know I'm yelling because it's so loud and I can't get you to come to me at that point in the game or that point in the practice. If I could come to you, I would. I would I would definitely come to you. However, the referees kind of frown on that. So I really talked to her and I said, we're going to practice this today. So I went specifically on the other end of the court to yell at her and get her used to hearing, number one, her name, number two, hearing information, but number three, to hear my tone and to know that I, every every single thing that I told her tonight, I made sure was positive. And so every so often when she would come out or we would get a drink at practice or whatever, I would walk over to her and I would say, I'm not mad at you. Nothing I told you was negative. And so I, I really wanted her to focus on that tonight. I want her to get used to my voice when I'm yelling and automatically think, coach is not mad at me, is not being mean, 
is not going to punish me, is not going to do something to me. She's relaying information. So your tone is real important. You don't want to get overly excited and overly stimulate them, but you also don't want to go negative. Okay, so so we're looking at night, N-I-T-E, name, information, tone, and then the last one is going to be eye contact. It's very important with kids, you make eye contact. You want them to make eye contact with you, and you want yourself to make eye contact with them. Number one, you make eye contact with them, they know that you are truly talking to them. Two, you want them making eye contact with you so you can see that it's registering with them. You want to watch their facials. A lot of times with kids you can tell when they don't understand. They they don't control their facials. They also will get um, kind of a dazed look. I don't know any other way to explain it. I think those of you who are out there in podcast land kind of know that that dazed look that they get of kind of confusion or where their brains are processing it. So your follow-up question may be, do you understand? Or repeat it back to me in your own words. Because you want them to get it. Okay? So... If I'm, you know, on the sidelines and I want to convey something in football, I'm going to yell. I want them to know it's not negative. I want them to know that I'm not too excited and out of control. I'm going to use their name. I'm going to say Jacob. Block your man. Or I, I may even, if I've yelled it numerous times over the season, it may just be Jacob. Block. Okay? I'm going to make sure that I don't say, Jacob, don't forget to block your man. See how that's different? That's a, that's a different, has a different connotation. That kind of puts it in Jacob's head. Don't forget to block my man. Well, I must have forgotten before or the coach is mad at me because the last time I did forget or it gets their mind going. No, it's just Jacob, block your man. And I'm going to do my best to make eye contact with him and have him make eye contact with me. That way I know he heard me, and and I, again, am watching his eyes, I'm watching his face, did he understand? So, I kind of hope that night really helps you guys with the name, information, tone, and eye contact. Use that with your kids. Use that with your players. I think you're going to see a difference in how they react to you and how they kind of have a tendency to listen a little more. 
Now, of course, we're not going to get in to, you know, selective hearing. We're, you know, that that's something else. And maybe that'll be a topic in the future. But we're not going to talk about selective hearing or you telling them to clean their room and they don't do it. We're, we're not going to get into all that. But um, I think if you use these, that, that you're going to kind of see a difference. So I hope that that, that helps. Um, like I said, I got that from Coach Steve Collins. Um, he is in Wisconsin, and he is with teachhoops.com, and he has two podcasts, Basketball Coaches Unplugged and High School Hoops. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the hurricane basketball situation first off. So I'll see you guys in a minute. Hey everybody, I wanted to tell you about Anchor. It's what I'm using to make this podcast. I use it not only because it's free, but because it's easy. I can record and broadcast anything and everything right from my phone, or I can use a computer. It allows me to edit things, and it has everything I need just in one place. And not only that, you can make money from your podcasts. But what you have to do is you've got to go download the free Anchor app. Go to anchor.fm just to get started. And then send me a link. I want to hear your podcast. Hey everybody, it's Sam from West Virginia Overtime and I'm coming back to you told you we wanted to talk about the hurricane basketball player situation so I kind of want to back up though because what people want to link it to is the Hatfield brothers situation in Mingo County and I think a lot of you out there in podcast land have a skewed perception of what that situation was. I know I did. I read, you know, of course, all the comments on the forums and Facebook and different groups and everything, and I thought, hey, I understand the Mingo County situation, and I didn't. I'm going to be the first to admit to you, I totally didn't. And so, when I went up to the SSEC headquarters in Parkersburg for a class, I talked to the head of, he's over the basketball part of the SSAC, and I actually brought that up, and he kind of set me straight on what exactly happened. We had rule books in front of us, and he legitimately just walked me through how things were legal. And I know there's a lot of people out there that last year got beat by Mingo Central, got beat by Logan Basketball, got beat again by Mingo Central this year, and is like, this is not fair, this is awful. Well, no, what they did was exactly what the rules allow. 
Now, West Virginia is kind of in the middle on transfer rules. There are states where it is a free-for-all. There are no transfer rules. You can transfer at any time for any reason, any school. And then there's states where it is very strict. What we've kind of found is West Virginia's kind of in the middle. It looks like they're going to kind of stay there. The principles that are on the board of directors that make up the different rules, I, I think that they kind of like West Virginia in the middle. So I, I don't see our transfer rules changing all that much anytime soon. So let's actually break down the Hatfield situation last year as it happened. Yes, the two Hatfield brothers played football for Mingo Central. They lived in Mingo County, and everything was fine. They were playing exactly where they lived. After football season was over, the family had purchased a house in Logan County. And what they did is the whole family transferred their residence to Logan County because they moved the boys then enrolled in Logan County. So they were living there and they decided to play basketball. So under SSAC rules, they were living there, they could play there. A school called the SSAC after Logan's certified they were eligible and that they had transferred appropriately, a school called the SSAC to turn Logan and Mingo basically in. Uh, it is unknown who called, but the SSAC then investigated. So some of the documents that they had to provide throughout the season was number one, that they legitimately, you have to have a lease or you have to have purchased your home. So they had to provide that information to the SSAC that the house in Logan County was not just somewhere they were staying, that they actually had either leased it such as rent, rent, they, you know, they leased it for six months, they leased it for a year, they've leased it for three years, whatever, or that they have bought their home. Then, they had to show two or more utility bills from that residence. So, you know, you're talking, you've got to show water and electric or gas or, you know, cable, uh, trash pickup, sewer, you, you, you've got to show utility bills of that particular address. Then, the SSAC actually sent someone out to make sure they were living there. 
Um, you know, kids' clothes are there. You know, parents' clothes are there. It's obvious they're living in the house. And then you have to show proof that the house in Mingo County, something was done with it. It cannot be given to another family member. It must either be sold, it's got to be rented, it's got, something's got to be done with it. So they had to show proof of that. And so, you know, they had to show these legal documents where they actually transferred everything over. And it is my understanding that even the parents transferred their driver's license to that address. They transferred voter registration to that address in Logan County and all all nine yards. Okay, they were living there. Now, of course, everyone knows the situation after basketball season, but before football season started, they moved back to Mingo County. So again, they had to provide all of that information. So they've done that twice. They they showed proof to the SSAC and to the school that they had moved to, to, to Logan last year. And then they've done it again this year with Mingo County. So, you know, whether you agree with it or not, it doesn't matter. They actually moved. They transferred everything. Over. They, they did it by the rules. So whether or not I like it, whether or not, you know, they beat me or my team or, or anything like that, it doesn't matter. It matters that they, they did it within the rules. They didn't break any rules. And so for those of you who are out there saying, hey, you know, they're recruiting, they're, they've broken rules. Well, okay, what rules have they broken? And show me proof they were recruited. Because if you can do either one and show it to the SSAC, hey, more power to you. But they did it within the rules. Now, yes, you can argue all you want. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. I don't, I don't like it. My team's getting beat, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you can argue that all you want. But by the rules, they did it. Same thing. People are bringing it up again. Um, the same basic concept with Luke LaRose transferring from Nicholas County to Shady Springs. Well, it's the same situation. It is my understanding the LaRose family actually moved to Shady Springs District. And they are in the process of showing all documents to the SSAC because, again, a school turned them in. Who knows what school, Nicholas County, but um, who knows what school has actually, you know, caused any ruckus or anything, but it is my understanding that the LaRose family now is having to show proof 
that they legally have moved, they have, have obtained a residence, whether it be through lease or buying, and that they are in the process of, you know, transferring all documents and stuff to the SSAC so that uh, Luke LaRose can play for Shady Springs. And it is my understanding he's going to be found eligible. And if that is exactly what they've done, they've had to move whatever, then, hey, more power to them. You know, um, you can say, if you get beat by Shady this year, you know, hey, they beat us, blah, 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 but don't say they used an ineligible player. Don't say that they didn't follow the rules, because so far they have. So let's turn to the hurricane situation. I'm going to tell you what I know from um, the articles that have come out, from talking a little bit to the SSAC, and then also talking to a little bit of people in the community, not many, because a lot of the people in the community just don't know. So let's just talk a little bit about the hurricane situation. Um, there are two players at Hurricane High School that are in temporary guardianship of Daniel Hicks. It is my understanding that Mr. Hicks in 2011 tried to create his own school, which would be West Virginia Prep, and it was going to be kind of a homeschool, private school situation. And it was going to be basketball players. They were going to train and have a basketball team. Um, it was found that the living conditions were absolutely horrible. Um, from what I read doing the history search, Mr. Hicks had charged at least seven players $500 to even a, a, attend the school. Um, he was told that this was not legal and to, you know, cease this. He later uh, got caught up in a police sting and was charged with a felony and went to jail. Um, he is the temporary guardian of these two boys. Everyone that any reporter has talked to and that I have mentioned their names to has told me what great kids these two boys from Sudan are, um, just, they're outstanding young men. They have good character. They're not they're they're not troublemakers. They're not you know any any problem whatsoever in school or in the community or anything like that. From what I understand, the kids at Hurricane have totally opened their arms to these two kids and really made them part of the Hurricane community. And props to Hurricane for doing that because you know they they could have somehow held it against them. One is seven two, one of them is six foot ten. Um, they could have um, you know, held it against them that they were taking other players' spots or or something like that. The hurricane community has not. 
did that, and I mean, the hurricane community has, has had them with open arms, like I said. The problem lies in, it is my understanding, um, I know this was a fact this summer, I, it is my understanding that it is still a fact that both the boys' parents, um, they're two separate families, that none of these boys' parents have came to West Virginia, that they are still in Sudan. And I know that some of you can't understand because of my accent. It's S-U-D-A-N. It's the country of Sudan. Um, I'm not saying Sudan as in a car. Um, it's Sudan as in the country. So it is my understanding that both players' parents are still in that country. They have not came to West Virginia. They, however, sent some legal documents giving Daniel Hicks temporary guardianship of these two players. The SSAC does not allow people to obtain temporary guardianship and enroll them in that school district's school and play any sports. And I know a lot of you are saying, well, that's unfair. That's punishing those kids. That's awful. Well, here's how that rule came into effect. Quite a few years ago, there was an excellent player, and he didn't like the team he was on. He didn't like the school he was going to. The parents did not have the means to move. However, they had the means to go to court and give temporary guardianship to a family in another school district that was a rival of the school he was leaving and he wanted to play at the other school. So before the SSAC made this rule, any kid could go play at any school if somebody would take temporary guardianship of them. Therefore, there would be no evidence other than a court order giving temporary guardianship that they were actually living in that school district. There would be no documents to check. There would be no way of knowing whether that kid was truly living with them and they were actually taking care of them, but they could play any sport. So technically, if my kid is Jacob and he's an outstanding football player, then I may sign temporary guardianship over to my best friend who lives down, you know, Barbersville. Let's just pick Barbersville. Um, and I can enroll him in Cabell Midland. So Jacob can play in Cabell Midland for football. And then I see Polk has got a great team. So 
I take temporary, because remember, it's temporary. I can take temporary guardianship away of Jacob after football season, and I can give it to another one of my friends that lives in Polka, and they can play basketball for Polka. And then once the season ends, again, I could take the temporary guardianship away, and I could send him to, I don't know, Morgantown for baseball. And so as long as I have a friend up there that's willing to let me assign Jacob's temporary guardianship, then he could go to Morgantown to play baseball. And then I can take it away and he can come live with me in the summer. And then we can do it all over again, but we could pick three new schools. You see why the SSOC did not want temporary guardianship. They want you with your parents. And if you do not have parents, they want you adopted. Now, I know some of you out there are raising your hand and you're saying, but, 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 Sam, what about foster home? You know what? If a kid is taken by DHHR and they are placed in a foster home, then they're clear. They can play. Because it wasn't their fault that they were taken. They were taken for some reason dealing with their parents. So we don't punish the kids and say, no, you, you can't wrestle, or no, you can't be on the archery team, or no, you, you, know, you can't be on the cheerleading squad. We don't say that. So if you're taken by DHHR and placed in a foster home, then you're automatically eligible whatever school that foster home is in. And the SSAC only requires DHHR to send them a court order. And it's good. So, let's talk third option. You have to be adopted. Adoption takes place usually in circuit court in West Virginia. And it is legally binding. It is supposed to be forever, and parental rights in, I think it's 93% of the cases are terminated, which means the parents cannot get their kids back. They have no parental rights because the kids are being adopted by someone else, and they get the parental rights. So let's break this down. We've got two kids from different families that came over from a different country, which is Sudan, and they are living with Daniel Hicks, who did I mention was a felon, which means he will not pass a home study, and he pretty much cannot adopt those kids by a circuit court in West Virginia because he's also not a relative. West Virginia will waive uh, home studies and waive that in certain instances in circuit court. They are very rare. We do not like 
um, to place kids in an adoptive home with someone that's not a family member or someone that they consider to be a family member. And that's in the law. It's a kinship relative care. Um, you can look that up. Kinship is anyone that a child may think is a family member or consider to be a family member. So Daniel Hicks was not that. He was unknown to these kids. And he's a felon. We usually in West Virginia do not place uh, in with DHHR. We do not place with people that have felonies. Okay, so they are with Daniel Higgs on temporary guardianship because their parents in Sudan still have parental rights. So, they have been ruled ineligible by the SSAC. However, both kids are appealing this decision. And hopefully the SSAC will have a quick hearing and take everything into consideration. If anything has changed, if um, any circumstances have changed, if they're living with someone else, if, you know, if the parents have decided to terminate and give up their own parental rights to give them to someone else, or, or something like that has went on, then the SSAC should consider that. And should that happen, then yes, those kids should play. I totally agree with that. If the parents come over from Sudan and they find a place to live in Hurricane, those kids should play. However, right now, they are not eligible under SSAC rules. And I don't think, unless things change, they should be allowed to play. That's my personal opinion. And here's why. Number one, I don't think we should teach any kid it's okay to break rules. And I'm not just talking about the hur hurricane sedan players. I'm talking about the other members of Hurricane's team. We should not teach them to break rules or to try to find a way around them. Third reason, I don't think we should teach the teams that play against them that it's okay to break rules. I don't care who plays them or whether they win or lose. I don't think we should be teaching kids it's okay to break rules or it's okay to find a way around them. Secondly, I don't think they should play because I think that if they're going to live in West Virginia, that like I said, either their parents should be here, 
because they need to be with their parents. They love their parents. If their parents don't want them, that's something else, then we need to proceed. DHHR needs to immediately proceed to terminate those parental rights, place them in a foster-to-adopt home that is legal, that is certified, and then proceed with adoption. So, if the parents do not want them, and Putnam County DHR says the parents do not want them, and they proceed to place them in a foster home in Hurricane, again, they are eligible to play. And once they get adopted, they're still eligible to play. But I think we need to make sure these kids are safe. So anybody that's listening out there that works for DHHR, I used to, I encourage you, get DHHR to just make sure these kids are safe. That's my main concern. Are they safe? The other thing that I would like for people to check is, are they covered by insurance? Are they okay? And by that, like I said, I used to work for DHHR. I want to make sure that if they get hurt while practicing, while in school, while goofing off and being a kid in their front yard or whatever, that if they get hurt, that they can be taken care of. Because I don't believe that they can be put on Daniel Hicks's insurance. He's not their parent. And he hasn't adopted them. Most insurances will not allow temporary guardianship people to be placed on your insurance. They require whoever has parental rights to keep insurance on them. And I don't know that their parents in Sudan have insurance for them. Fourth, I don't believe that DHHR can grant them insurance because I don't know that they can give them insurance because I don't know that they can do it because Daniel Hicks, again, is not a parent. And two, he hasn't adopted them. Now, I'm hoping DHHR has said because they're in the state of West Virginia, because they're living with Daniel Hicks, because he has temporary guardianship, and they don't have any other way of getting insurance, then West Virginia has stepped in and gave them Medicaid. I hope. I hope they either have Medicaid or they have some other insurance. Because I definitely don't want these kids to get hurt. And... Yes, if it's a life or death situation, you know, a hospital's going to treat them. But if they get sick, they get a cold or, or something like that, you know, I want them to be able to go to the doctor.
But also, you know, if, God forbid, one of them breaks a bone or, you know, they get a sprained ankle or, I don't know, things happen in basketball, they break their finger or whatever. I, I don't want the hospital to treat them and then bill them. Who wants, you know, sophomores to have hospital bills? Hopefully, you know, Mr. Hicks would step up and pay them, but I don't know. And, and that's the thing. I don't want anything bad to happen to these kids. I don't want them not safe. I don't want them not to have insurance. I don't want them ending up with hospital bills. I'm, I'm not against the kids. I just want rules to be followed and everything to be squared away. And if we can't get it squared away, and if they're not safe, or if they don't have insurance, or, you know, if something happens, then I want us to fix it. And when I say us, I mean us as a society. I want us to either, you know, give them back to their parents and then go back to Sudan, either their parents to come over here, like I said, DHHR to place them in a foster home, hopefully in Hurricane, where they know people, they've formed relationships, they've been to school, they have friends, or I, you know, I want them to have at least Medicaid. So that's kind of where I stand on the hurricane situation. A lot of people have been asking us about it. We, we've posted two articles on it that have been in different papers. Um, and we will keep you up to date on West Virginia overtime on this particular situation. But, you know, that's kind of where I stand on this situation as I understand it. Now, I'm looking for all of you out there. If you've got additional facts, if, um, you know, yesterday maybe um, you took them in and you're applying for adoption or something like that, feel free to contact us at West Virginia Overtime. You know, if the kids um, have went back to Sudan, let us know. Let us know if you know these kids are safe even. Let us know. Feel free. We are on Twitter at Overtime WV. We are on Facebook and Instagram at WV Overtime. You can write us at WV Overtime at gmail.com. Just let us know any information that you have uh, about these kids. I, I would love um, to be... I don't know, sometime in January or February, I would absolutely love to go watch the Hurricane Redskins have these two kids on the floor playing varsity basketball and their parents in the stands clapping and cheering. I think that would be awesome. I think that would be probably the perfect situation because I truly believe that these kids have made friends the Hurricane community has accepted them. They are on the Hurricane basketball team. I think Hurricane, West Virginia, they can't find, you know, a better place for them to be. I would love for their parents to come over here and have a West Virginia life. And them also 
to be accepted in the hurricane community. I hope it happens. So, this is me signing out. Remember, we're for the fans, by the fans. So, you have any questions, comments, problems, or protests, you know how to get a hold of us. And I will see you real soon.